You're listening to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast, brought to you by Vespa, nature's catalyst for optimizing fat metabolism. Hi, welcome to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast. I'm your host, Peter Defty, with my co-host, the lovely Naomi Land. Hey, Naomi. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Hey, Peter. Yes. I'm good. I'm one year older. Starting the days. <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so today we have on the Justice Lovely, uh, Wendy Sullins. And so, Wendy came to me from our good friend uh, Kayla Daniel, the naughty nutritionist, who we've had on several times and plan to have on some more. Um, because Wendy's doing a lot of really cutting-edge work in... Um, is it breast thermography? Yeah, I'm a researcher in ther- breast thermography. Absolutely. But so that... this thing we say, everything I will state today is based off medical research and medical evidence. Fifty years worth, including my mentors. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of your mentors, which is great. But it goes a lot further than that. We're talking. We're going to be talking specifically about the technology, but then there's a lot larger implication. Um, this has a lot to do with women's health, but it also has implications for men's health and not yes, just absolutely. not just for health, but for, for performance. And once again, um, because of my disposition, we're going to be overturning a lot of myths or we're going to let Wendy overturn them. OK, because who listens to a big ape like creature Neanderthal like me? But when you have a smart young lady who's done her homework uh, people tend to listen, and I know women tend to listen to women more because what do we know? We're just simple guys, right? Thank you. <laughs> we, we, we are. No, seriously, Wendy, as Naomi knows, I've said it. We are simple. Everything with you guys is complex, and, and I'm the first one that's willing to admit <laughs> women are much better suited for a lot of things than men. We're suited for a couple of things, and that's about it, and I'm okay with that. Um, so... Welcome, Wendy. Thank you. Um, so why don't we talk first about, why don't you tell us your story and, and get us going on, on what sucked you into this? Because you, you've got this very interesting background that you're from Alaska and you, you've lived in the bush yep. and hunted and done all this outdoorsy stuff. And, you know, but you're not Sarah Palin for some reason. No, I, I'm, excuse me. Did <laughs> you're you not Sarah Palin. No, 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 I'm not Sarah Palin. I don't know her, so I have no, I don't want to make a statement about Sarah Palin whatsoever. Um, to just start with that. Um, yeah, well, I was going to a Chinese medical school in San Diego, and I met my partner there, ten, uh, gosh, more than 10 years ago. We've been in business officially this year for 10 years. And his father invented the first ever digital infrared camera in 1979. So when you hear about FDA-approved cameras for breast thermography, that was my partner's, my partner's father's camera, which was the first camera FDA-approved for breast, breast thermography. And that's key because there's a difference between a, another certification, which is a skin temperature variation. So big difference. And that was approved in 1982. Now, strange fact, Martin's father, Dr. Bills' father, Maurice, and I went to the same high school in Alaska, years apart, obviously. I right. think he graduated in, I want to say, 60 or 61. So how weird is that? <laughs> that 
here we are from Alaska, the two of us, and we're pioneers in breast As Maurice so, ba Bales? Yeah, yes, Bales, B-A-L-E-S, and the camera we use, and that um, half the battle of breast mammography is the technology and what's happening out there. And interrupt me, uh, stop me, ask questions as we go. So please don't be hesitant to do that. Do so. Half the battle with breast mammography. Uh, first, to let the read uh, the listeners know, thermography is not regulated. Anyone can open a clinic and get going. And the problem is, is the camera. Half the battle again. I've said now three times. Is the camera for the breasts? needs to be a specific optical line, meaning it's strong enough, enough for us to get the details of the blood vessels in the breast. The uh, vascularization, the is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Uh, there's, a, there's a myth or a false claim that interpretation is done in color. Breast thermography should be done, it, the primary interpretation should be done in, in reverse gray, where you're actually looking at the blood vessels. The blood vessels forms uh, cancers, tend to form specific vascular patterns in the breasts. So as an interpreter, I'm looking for specific patterns. It's the sensitivity of the camera that's helping me achieve that. And that's what most of the, um, I wanna say the majority of clinics don't have a camera strong enough. And that's why you're seeing breast cancer being missed in breast thermography and why it's not being, um, accepted by the medical community. This sounds sort of akin. To, you're an acupuncturist, correct? Yeah, I'm yeah. An, actually. It's a in California. Uh, just so you know, it's a Chinese medical doctor. So you get your degree in acupuncture and herbs. In other states, you can choose just acupuncture. Yeah, no, it sounds sort of akin to the whole uh, dry needling. You know, like like people who get the right camera and and get the right training are able to do a much better job, whereas like, oh, oh, yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? It's sort of very, very similar to the whole dry needling that's occurring now that like right, these people aren't trained. Yeah, they're taking a weekend course where we studied for four years, exactly. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about um, what you're doing in that arena as well. You're doing some scientific study on the breasts. So what I, okay, so I studied with Dr. Hobbins, uh, who is the leading researcher in breast thermography. He took, um, he started the academies in North America, Asia, and South America, and he trained 1,800 physicians worldwide. And in 1971 to 74, 75, he imaged 100,000 women, sat down with a couple other MDs, thermologists, and came up with the interpretation model. But it was his study that did that. Uh, so I trained under him. I've been training under him. We speak every week. Uh, we wrote the first book together. I wrote the first book, Breast Cancer Boot Camp, Dr. Hobbins' Breast Thermography Revolution. Mm -hmm. But it's based, obviously, on his education. That's why I named the book after him or after his studies. Um, then, so he studied breast cancer. So that's what the whole interpretation model is about, meeting the minimum standard requirements. What I've done is taken, you know, as any researcher, what you do is you move forward from your mentor. So what I'm studying now are supplements. So okay. he did too. You know, he was one mm. of the first doctors. Dr. Kayla and I had this um, uh, conversation. 
uh, one of his requirements, just so you know, this is why I love Dr. Kayla, one of his requirements for my study was reading her book. I had to read a several books and one of them was her, uh, the whole soy story. So I've always, uh, we both have, Dr. Hobbins and I both have a huge amount of respect for Dr. Kayla and her research. Um, what I was telling Dr. Kayla when her and I spoke about four or five years ago was uh, that Dr. Hobbins had noticed in the 80s when they made soy an emulsifier in our processed foods that the breast started to change in America. And that's when you see uh, also you see another spike in uh, breast cancer. Um, I think in 1971, it was one in 13, 1982, it was one in 11. And then by 1992, it's one in eight, I believe. Don't quote me. It's in the book. I can't remember everything. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the book then before you go further. Well, the book is very dense. Um, I've written it very easy. Uh, it's very easy to read. I've broken down physiology to understand the disease. You have to know a, how the body works and B, you have to understand the disease. So I have a chapter on different types of breast cancers. I have a chapter on physiology. Uh, the One of my favorite chapters, then I break it up into environmental estrogens. Uh, excuse me, I apologize. Yes, I'm sorry. I have echo estrogens, environmental estrogens, synthetic estrogens, and plant estrogens. Most people don't understand the term by, by um, excuse me, bioidentical. It is a hot topic, and bioidentical just means similar chemical structure. So what that means mm -hmm. is birth control pills and flax are bioidentical. Um, yes. I also talk about, I have a chapter on... Um, breast thermography and a chapter on how to decrease your risk of breast cancer. And that's the actual book, Breast Cancer Bootcamp. Um, so I have the, the book is very dense, but that I have it broken up into chapters. But my favorite is breast cancers to estrogen lies. And those are all the lies we're told as women. Estrogen keeps us young. Estrogen gives us beautiful skin. The vagina is controlled by estrogen. Uh, the bones are controlled by estrogen. These are all myths. And these are all false medical claims made by the medical community that we explain from a physiological standpoint how these are false and why, um, and this is the reason why breast cancer is increasing. Yeah, the exposure it's, to it's all the different uh, estrogen mimicking compounds, including phytoestrogens. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, people... Uh, I hear every day, I see breast cancer patients every week that their uh, doctors are curing their cancer and putting them on flax. And, oh, God. Oh, I, every week, every week. This is, this is why this is such heartbreaking work is because uh, these patients come, these breast cancer patients are not wanting to do chemo and radiation. Totally understandable. In 50 years, Dr. Hobbins never radiated the breast and he never used chemo. Um, let me stop just for one minute. The breast cancer I'm talking about in my book and at all times are 80% of breast cancers. 80% of breast cancers are fed, stimulated by estrogen. 20% are what we call or what we call herpesin cancers. Herpesin cancer is the cancer that the pink ribbon is trying to find a cure for. Okay, that's yeah. that's cancer we don't understand. I don't treat. I don't talk to. I will look at thermograms from purpose and cancers and try to give um, an idea of what the cancer is doing at that moment. Okay. But herpesin cancers are progress are, are uh, excuse me, they're very aggressive and they're unpredictable. 
80% of cancers are fed by estrogen. If you want to prevent 80% of breast cancer, stop using what's causing it to grow. You're going to strangle that cancer. That's the cancer I'm speaking about in the book. Okay? So, 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 a, so I want to make that very clear. So to break this down, a metabolically healthy female will make enough estrogen at the right time of the month for her body to be healthy. She Absolutely. doesn't need to be Ever. adding, Never. she needs to minimize the exposure. We're not going to get it all out because between the petrochemicals in our environment and everything else, we're not going to. But there's some um, pretty no-brainer things like soy and flax, things we're told that are healthy, um, yeah. that can be easily eliminated um, from the diet and, expo and, and consequential exposure. Yes, and... At note, the body, let's say, you know, a normal, healthy woman that doesn't have a strange autoimmune disorder, okay? Um, our body is perfect. It provides what it needs to, to survive. Our body is not trying to kill us. Our body is doing exactly the opposite. At all times, it's trying to optimize its function so we can live as long as possible. How we take care of our body is very simple. We eat a balanced diet, that's key, a balanced diet. We breathe fresh air, we go outside, we exercise, we get exposure to the sun so we can eat vitamin-enriched foods, that um, vitamin D-enriched foods that's converted by the sun. So in a healthy environment, we can be healthy, but then uh, we don't live like that anymore. And that, So I want to say this, it's... Um, I think we also see a rise in cancer because we have more stress and we have more stressors on the body than we did a hundred years ago. Certainly. Yeah. And that's yeah. going to lead us to um, our bodies to be metabolizing more sugar, which has its own unintended oh. consequences. Yeah. yeah. And sugar feeds cancers. Yep. So you want to avoid all sugar when you are treating your cancer. Well, that's why we call our program Optimizing Fat Metabolism because we want to get the body back to where it's burning fat as your aerobic fuel source because that's, that's part of the point. But, you know, hormones Absolutely. being those signaling mechanisms and estrogen being a very uh, important signaling mechanism in a, in a female and, and because the female hormonal balance is, is so complex that, you know, yeah. This whole idea of, 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 you know, estrogen mimicking elements that we're exposed to, um, both men and women, um, you know, play, have a big impact. Let me make it very simple for you. How about this? Hormones are very, the sexual hormones are very easy to balance. All you hear is how difficult they are. It's, no, it's incredibly easy. Um, let me put it this way. Um, um if you, it's the exposure, like, okay, it's the exposure to what we're eating, what we're using on our skin. So how you can, what we start with, with our patients is raising the progesterone and or testosterone levels. If the problems aren't resolved, and it's more complex than that, obviously, I'm following with their thermography, I'm looking at their diet, we're looking at what they're doing, we're looking at stressors, but let's keep it as simple as possible for right now. If, the, if those changes don't happen in three to six months, maybe a year, depending on the patient, then it's not hormonal. Does that make sense? Then it is something else. 
But 99% of my patients, when we uh, add the progesterone, decrease the estrogen, maybe add some testosterone, we see immediate results. It's the problem of this medical assumption that women are estrogen deficient. And let me explain. If 80% of breast cancers are fed by estrogen, then um, breast cancer would be significantly lower if we were estrogen deficient. Do you understand? Yeah. Would it? So, would it, yeah. Would right. It, would so it, as soon as they start, would as soon it, as you start giving someone hormones, estrogen, you're going to raise those estrogen levels dramatically as compared to progesterone and testosterone. Yeah. Would it also be the, the, the problem that when you have too many estrogen mimicking substances in the body, it's the body is the, the actual female estrogen is being out competed with? Oh, this is. Oh, thank you for clearing that up. Yes. OK, so this is what I was trying to say. Thank you. I forgot that little <laughs> I forgot that little part. OK, so what's happening is people are walking around saying phytoestrogens block estrogen. This is absolutely false. Let's go back to the beginning of physiology again. Uh, so if it's, if an estrogen is bio, excuse me, if a molecule is bioidentical to ours, to our receptor, for example, estrogen, this is what we're talking about. That means it fits like a lock and key. Okay. So if it can fit into that receptor and attach, it's going to stimulate it. So what's happening is so the phytoestrogens they're saying are blocking these environmental estrogens. No, that's absolutely false. In my book, I discuss, uh, I think it's the guy's name is Dr. Dodds. I'm not sure. I apologize. Chapter six. They found that the xenohormones, the xenobiotics, which I just refer to as echoestrogens, um, create more binding sites. Oh, wow. So what's happening. This sounds like cancer is, cells. Yeah, it's very scary. So what's happening is you have commercial grade estrogens from you know household products, the air we're breathing, creating more binding sites. Then you're using flax or soy or hummus or you know red clover, black cohosh, all these popular phytoestrogens. So you're just increasing your estrogen by you know what twofold, fourfold, tenfold. I don't know. I don't know. And then you have the problem of some women are predisposed and some women aren't. You can take one woman and give her HRTs for 40 years and she looks beautiful and amazing. But then you take another lady, you give her flax for six months and she has immediate issues that we can see. So everyone's different. And that's where it gets difficult being a doctor <laughs> is <laughs> I have to work with each person. But what is amazing is that I can see, you know, I monitor women with breast cancer every six months and what we're seeing is, okay, this is working for you. Let's tweak this. Okay, we're moving here. Okay, we need to do something more aggressive now. You know, some women do have to take tamoxifen. You have a lot of vegetarians that can't remove that soy from their diet. Then that means they'll have to be on a tamoxifen. Not, you know, until they make those necessary changes. Yeah. So every patient has to be treated differently. Is that that's what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. You know, some yeah. Can, some women can handle, you know, a little bit of lavender every once in a while. Lavender is a phytoestrogen. Some women can't handle any. Yeah. So that, yeah, and that's one of the things we we've been we've actually been struggling with as we've been trying to roll out our programs is how do we not compromise the individualization? We don't want to make this a cookie cutter program. 
and and you're saying yeah. exactly the same thing. It's it's yeah. so individualized, and and if you want to put put the right kind of effort into that particular patient, it, it's not a cookie cutter. It isn't. It isn't. It isn't. You just can't. It's just not possible. And that's where you get all these doctors are like, oh, you're doing the cocktail wrong. No, you know, they want, they, you know, you have all these alternative doctors and they're using a bioidentical estrogen, bioidentical progesterone, bioidentical testosterone. It's this cookie cutter that's just spitting out more disease. Yeah, they're, they're just using what, the, what recommendations they were given when they were in school yeah. or took the course. Yeah, and you can't convince them otherwise that that's not how it works. It, it, I, I just use physiology again and again, and I always refer back to physiology, and they don't want to accept that natural um, mechanism. I have no idea what else to... You, it's logic. I can't fight that. It's nature. You know, that's how our bodies are designed. So, so and when you break those laws, that's when you have disease. Yeah. So tell us now, your practice, do you mostly get women, do you get women just coming in because they've heard of you and, and come in for a screening or are they having some issues and, and come in? Because, I mean, the whole idea of, of what you do, what we do is to sort of prevent this, but... A lot of times the people we end up getting as athletes and you end up getting as women are coming to you because they're showing signs of being broken. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I see everything, you know, absolutely everything. I have people that are coming in. They just want a screening. I have people that, um, that we're, we're monitoring their breast cancer. Um, the thing is, is what I do is most people come in for a screening and then I educate them. And then the then you're just I've opened Pandora's box. Yeah, because a lot of these times I, I imagine that it, over eighty percent of the clients you get, there's this initial cognitive dissonance because what you when you open that box, it's like everything yeah. they've been led to believe is wrong. Absolutely, and I have a lot of patients that come in that think they're healthy. Ninety, you know, all my patients are before they make the appointment, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm healthy. And then 99% of them, I'm showing them that they're not. I, I eat clean, I'm vegetarian, <laughs> on and on yeah, and on. Yeah, yeah. You know, I take 15 supplements a day. You know, people think supplementation is healthy. And that's one of the, another medical assumption that's killing us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. and that's what you guys are interested in is micropharmacy versus macropharmacy. And in Chinese medicine, we believe in a macropharmacy and not pinpointing with, you know, micropharmacy, treating this for this, that for that, that for that. And then pretty soon you have all these supplements that, you know, herbs and supplements are supposed to work synergistically. And now you have them fighting each other. And now you've created issues within your toxic issues within your body. Well, and, and yeah. not to mention the stress that comes along with trying to manage all that on a... On a... Oh, my God point-by-point point basis, and, you know, we hear so many people, we take a very holistic approach, and, you know, so many practitioners now are like, you got to take this for this, 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 and people are just freak, yes. freaking out. Yeah, I just, yeah. you know, it's just, people, you know, I, I love the people that accuse me of being a money-making scheme, and Dr. Hobbins and I kind of giggle because we're telling you the opposite. We're saying take your money and go to the farmer's market and buy your produce, buy high quality milk, buy high quality meats, 
you know, that is what Dr. Hobbins and Dr. Hobbins, you know, has been saying this since, you know, for over 50 years, health is in our nutrition. It's not found in a bottle. There's no mm. magic pill. We've been looking for a magic pill for 50 years. We haven't found it. When we find it, we will tell you, but you know, we want you to spend your money on your food. Yeah. Um, and even, people, um, there are a few people that have to be supplemented or use pharmaceuticals. I will say that though. Yeah. And, and pharmaceuticals and supplements aren't as regulated as what we think they are either. So, you know, you've got that, um, also not knowing the quality and the quantity that are in certain supplements that you're taking. Oh, I know. I've heard horror stories of what's been happening in the supplemental industry, but then people are like, well, I'm taking a whole, a whole, um, excuse me, I'm taking an organic whole food, organic, blah, blah, blah. You know, it doesn't matter. It's still a preservative. Yeah. It's not real. It's fake. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. You want, you know, do you want to eat the peach or do you want to eat the canned peach? That's, that's the same. And, and I understand why people need to supplement. I do. I mean, I do hear some of the complaints again and again and again. Um, but what I do with my patients, I have found people are very emotionally attached to their supplements. I mean, emotionally attached. People cry. Yeah, <laughs> so this, is, this, is that, this is that cortisol response and that conscious thought that's just a stressor. It, I, yeah, and I, I right. absolutely. And I, and I learned to work with patients and say, okay, why don't we figure out which ones are working for you? And that's, and I've really found that to help so much more. Um, and we have them now space their supplements when they use them. Cause you know, there is an effect on each other and the, there is just no evidence and no documentation of, you know, what if I take my B12 with my, uh, I don't know, vitamin C, what are the side effects of that? We just don't know, you know, for every possible supplement. Now that's yeah. what's different with Chinese medicine. They spend thousands of years taking every herb um, exposing it to every other herb and finding which one increased, which one decreased, you know, toxicity, which one strengthened this. And that's why you have this amazing uh, herbal uh, research that's been going on for thousands of years. So that's why in our medicine, we make one bottle for the entire body for an underlying condition, obviously. So instead of buying 15 bottles, you're buying one that's addressing the whole body, but we look at the body as a whole. We don't look at it as a pieces and parts like uh, like other doctors what's that, that recommend supplements. So it's another way we look at the body completely different. And that's why Dr. Hobbins and I always got along is we come from a holistic approach. You know, he graduated in 1946, just when uh, pharmaceuticals were starting to um, become more popular. When the so can you tell us? Uh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I apologize. I didn't mean no, you go. Sorry. You go. No, no, I was just going to say uh, Dr. Hobbins uh, comes from a very holistic approach where he tries, you know, he doesn't, you know, he just doesn't hand out antibiotics. He tries to actually treat the issue and then hand out antibiotics because, for example, I love, he, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be Dr. Hobbins' doctor. He's 92 and he went in for an <laughs> issue with his finger and the doctor wanted to give him antibiotics. And he's like, well, that's systemic and we need to treat the problem locally. So why do you take it? You know, why do you take antibiotics? Why do you give a man who's weak at the age of 90 systemic antibiotics for something that should be treated locally? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, he should have treated himself right. Yeah, he ended up, I, you know, he ended up taking care of it himself. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Wendy, I just want to ask you about essential oils. Oh, yeah. Hot topic. Yeah. A lot, a lot of uh, misinformation there, too. Yeah, yeah. Did you have a specific question or you just want me to go? Well, for it? I think it's um, becoming the popular way of treating people at the moment i can see it coming up in australia i don't know how it is over in america oh it's here it's here the, the, it's the hyperbole huge. is here <laughs> it's absolutely huge and i'm seeing um if you do you have a specific question because no I you run you run with it because I, we want to hear okay. it okay so a few years ago you know i treat all my colleagues excuse me i no, they treat themselves i apologize they i um I, I take all my colleagues breast thermograms. Okay, so a few years ago, I started seeing some of my colleagues getting worse. And I was like, what? and you know, I'm talking to them and I'm like, why are you getting worse? What's going on? What's going on? Well, come to find out there's this common strain a few, uh, a few years ago to start using, uh, oh gosh, uh, help me, essential oils on acupuncture points. Um, it's, you know, plants are powerful. We know this. Plants are powerful people. Well, yeah, it's, there, it's, it's plants are chemical warfare to keep from being eaten. Yeah, it, plants are powerful. So yeah. that's why we, we're seeing this, as, you know, this essential oil revolution. Okay, so we understand that. Well, what's happening if you're taking these, you know, little drops of whatever, you know, essential oils and you're placing them on, you know, X amount of points over X amount of patients, you know, five days a week or six days a week, I don't know, you know, X amount of years. Well, what does that do to you, the physician? That is some serious side effects. And I started seeing that in the breast, just like Dr. Hobbins started seeing soy, the emulsifier in the 80s affect the breast. I started to see it within the colleagues that I'm monitoring. So these colleagues, what... these colleagues were aware of soy, emulsifiers, flax, yes, yes, right. So they, they had dietarily gotten cleaned yes, up. Yes, people always question me about this. They're, they, they, people love to attack, like, I don't think about these things. Anytime I run a pilot study, like any study, you have to make sure that that patient is not being as much as you can. And that's where, that's another issue with any study is what is this patient? What is this, the person that you're studying doing when they go home? How are they in, you know, what is that variable that they've changed? Okay? It's controlling the so that's variables. Why, that's what studies are about. Right, right. That's, that's why you want to have like 10,000, you know, participants, not a hundred. Okay. To reduce those variables. Okay. So anyways, but when I do a specific pilot study, the patient's only changing one thing and the patient has to be healthy. And that's the problem. I rarely see healthy people, so I'm kind of using the same people again and again, including myself, which can be quite, you know. Well, you look a healthy. Lot, a lot of, yeah, huh? You look healthy. Oh yeah, I stopped being a I stopped being a guinea pig. Because I tried, you know, I have doctors that come in and they would sweet talk me and convince me that this was the magic pill, and then I'm on it for X, you know. 30 days, 60 days, I've gained six pounds, my breasts have blown up. I'm uh, now my thermogram is off the charts, you know, and I've learned, you know, you, you, I can't be a guinea pig anymore. And I've, and that's why I'm so passionate. I have tried these supplements myself and I am telling you when they don't work, they don't work. 
and I see it repeatedly over X amount of patients over X amount of years. Okay, so what I saw is these uh, these doctor these these physicians these alternative doctors. Um, their thermograms changing. The only thing they've been on, you know, they do, you know, I believe in doing, you know, doing Chinese, um, excuse me, a customized herbal formula, progesterone cream, estrogen-free diet, you know, balanced diet, get outside, do exercise. Everything I've already told you, that's what most of us are practicing. You know, they're on the same path. Well, what was the variable that changed that? And again and again, it was coming back to the essential oils. So when I talk to patients, you have to become a detective and you have to find out what are you doing? And I saw again and again and again. Now I need to start doing, that's why I started the nonprofit is though I can't, so I can start doing large studies. You know, it costs thousands of dollars to get, you know, X amount of women together. And that's what I would love to study in the future are the essential oils. But for now, what we're saying is don't put them on your skin every day. You know, on my website, it says that don't put them on your skin every day. Be careful. These are the ones we know that contain that are plant estrogens or phytoestrogens. Now, I heard citrus are not a phytoestrogen and I can't tell you about inhaling. I don't know what that means. Um, I don't know, but I just know for now we know you can't use large amounts of uh, essential oils, which is a small drop, you know, uh, ingested or on the skin. Any specific essential oils that are particularly high in phytoestrogens or other estrogen? Uh, the ones that I can think off the top of my head just by looking at my website again today because everyone asked me, I, I want to say uh, tea tree, cinnamon, chamomile, sage, lavender, geranium. Those are the ones that just pop out on the top of my head. And it's on are, my website. And those it's, are common. I mean, I hear, I'm not an essential oil kind of guy, but... But you yeah. hear that, you know, in the course of discussion and reading because, you know, you, this is what we work in. So. And what I suggest, if you, whatever you're treating, and I don't do essential oils, and I understand why people are, you know, they've saved their kids. I've, I've heard all the stories. So what I tell them is do the treatment for a week or 10 days or 14 days. What, what, I don't know what the treatment protocol is. Then, then stop. It's, it's, it's the problem is, is people are like, yay, essential oils. So they're using, you know, X amount of drops, these powerful drops all day, every day for everything. And they're, and that is so unhealthy. Well, it's a, it's a, that's that American cultural ethos. If, if a little's good, more is better. Then I'm like women, like I had one old lady tell me, you know, she's putting it on, you know, lavender I, uh, one of my breast cancer patients told me she was putting it on her face, lavender. And I was like, you can't do that. You have breast cancer, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, I mean, and, and, and I, you know, and you know, it just, you can't be using estrogen when you have cancer ever. That's the whole point. You're feeding it no matter what, if, you know, if you have cancer now, if you don't, you know, then you can use it as needed but again it's i see these women that are using it on their kids and you're going to create hormonal disorders in your children yeah and that's what's scary and and again i'm not saying not use it i'm saying use it as a treatment it's when you're you why do they need to be applied every day i'm not understanding that Mm. yeah too much of anything is not good exactly i mean if you want to use it as a diffuser that's fine i think I, I don't want to say for sure. 
but you know, I understand the theory behind smells. And But the problem is, think about this, and this is why I wanna be very careful. Again, I'm not a scientist, I don't know where to go with this, but think about perfume, dryer sheets. Those are dangerous for us. Look at all the evidence showing how dangerous dryer sheets are because we inhale them. We inhale perfume, that's toxic to us. So I'm not quite sure how the essential oils cross over into that. But my problem is when you ingest it, you put it on the skin, the actual product, the actual molecules on, you know, from the essential oils onto our skin, those will attach to the estrogen receptors. Yeah, people have no idea just how living and breathing the dermal surfaces are. And, yeah. um, you know, like we, you know, you can use magnesium oil to get your magnesium, get a magnesium fix. If you're really particularly deficient, it works really quickly or, or yes. like, you know, testosterone creams, both for men and women, yep. you know, absolutely. And you know what, the one supplement, I'm so glad you brought up magnesium. The one supplement I've seen with hundreds of patients over time is magnesium. Yep. That's the one they swear by. What we do is we get everyone off all supplements and we start at the very beginning. Here's your one supplement. What are you choosing? I'm choosing magnesium. Fabulous. You're going to use it for 60 days. You're going to see if you see a difference. And magnesium is the one supplement people time and time again tell me that really helps them. Yeah, we're on the same page there because the two things I see are magnesium and vitamin D deficiency. If, if you're not actively yes. doing doing something yeah. for both of those, you're probably, you're, you're 99% chance you're going to be deficient. Yeah, and I, again, I'm not a proponent of uh, using vitamin D supplements, but you have women that have cancer, you have women that have autoimmune disorders, then yes, use the supplement. Um, and try to find the highest quality available. Again, a lot of women um, are forgetting that they need to eat vitamin D enriched foods and then go outside and convert it. You know, they're just going outside and not eating the food. You have to eat the food. Yeah, the, the, the interesting thing is, Wendy, um, <clears throat> to get, I'm, I'm all for the, the sun, the UVB exposure to get it, but it's really difficult to get enough. I uh, did a blood test here a couple months ago, and I'm, as Naomi knows, I don't wear a shirt a lot. I'm constantly exposed to midday sun. <laughs> and um, I, w I turned up on the low end, and I was kind of quite surprised. And, and this is somebody who, who does get a lot of sun and does just a little touch of vitamin D supplementation. And then my, and I hear this all the time. So then this is the, this is how I would interact with you. Okay. Let's get you on a supplement. See how you feel. Yep. Let's do this X amount, 60 days, 90 days, six months, what you need to do, get retested, see where your levels are. Well, that, that's how I and that's exactly yeah, what we do. And that's exactly yeah, what we I do. No person. Yeah. Of course, if someone is like, yeah, if, if they see, if they feel a difference from that supplement, they see those levels rise, then that makes sense to everybody involved. Yeah. I'm not anti-supplement. I am anti-60 supplements. I'm anti-10 supplements. And if you're a healthy person, again, if you're a healthy person, if you are going through breast cancer, if you have an autoimmune disorder, if you have something going on, yes, you need to be on some pharmaceuticals and some supplements. Yeah. Yeah, no, but the interesting thing with vitamin D, though, is you have to have a good, uh, a reasonably good fat metabolism going to where you can metabolize fat so you can metabolize vitamin D with the vitamin K2, with the vitamin A, with the magnesium. 
Um, and, and, and that's where the problem lies. If you're a glucose burner and you're constantly stressed, it's hard to really get your vitamin D up in any form, whether it's from the sun or, or supplementation. It's just kind of a tricky deal. So, um, so tell us more about, okay, so you're seeing a lot of people come in because they're worried about their breasts. Now, um, I'm a guy and I've been accused of being whatever I am, a guy, but you know, one of the things I'm, I'm kind of very focused on the whole, um, matrix of women's health and performance, because to me, getting a woman metabolically fit and able to perform is a huge challenge and it really provides a lot of great learning tools for men as well as women to get that health and performance because what we're seeing is another metabolic picture of health and performance with the athletes and we see them get really where they need to be in terms of their fat metabolism they can not only perform better but they feel healthy and they're consistently strong so you know as a man I don't I don't have that same experience that that say you and Naomi would have, but I mean, I imagine there's a huge emotional, psychological complexity of this because women, I mean, that's a very essential part of femininity, right? Um, and so this is a, this is no, a delicate um, sub subject to kind of breach in terms yeah, of how um, you do it. Estrogen has nothing to do with, uh, and we discuss this in our book with being feminine. That is our DNA. Because you're a male and you have all the sexual hormones that we do. So, again, um, that is in our DNA, that what makes us male or female, um, not the sexual hormones. Um, now, the sexual hormones can influence us, and that's a little bit what I think you want to get into, is um, I wrote a blog, Why Estrogen Makes You Crazy. And <laughs> anyone, I love know, it. And anyone that goes on the pill... We'll know this. Anyone with PMS and, you know, turns into it, I say, like a knife wielding lunatic drinking wine out of the bo out of the bottle in yoga pants. You know, if your husband's saying one or a boyfriend or partner is saying one week out of the year, you're a month, you're crazy. That's not right. Something is wrong. PMS is not normal. That is a red flag that something's going on. Symptoms of menopause. Yeah. That's not normal. My great grandmother, my 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 aunt is a nurse, and my great my aunt went to her grandmother. My great grandmother said, "How did you survive menopause?" And my great grandmother had no idea what she was talking about. Symptoms yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? And yes, this is period new, pain. Yeah, yes, these are new disorders, but everyone has and them. Why do yeah, but why do doctors think that they're normal, you know? And so I they know. just... Well, you, yeah, you, you can treat them and bill it. Why do doctors... And Naomi hit the nail on the head. Why do doctors talk to women like this is normal? Why are doctors going, holy cow, slow down. Oh, my gosh. Let's fix this. Let's fix this now. Yeah, and not get a Band-Aid out and go, okay, let's just put a Band-Aid over it yeah. for now. Yes. And, yes. you know, you'll be fine in five years or ten years' time. Just put up with the sweaty, you yeah, know, the is, sweat. When I, Naomi, you are just, every day, you are my patient. I hear this story every day, and it breaks my heart. This should mm. be resolved now. Yes, We I should agree. resolve this now. So getting back to when we start eating 
foods, you know, these, you know, again, it's these environmental estrogens that are causing these problems. And I think what you guys are uh, interested in is estrogen causes weight gain. Um, you have to get that under control. And again, you know, I've given you guys the tools, removing the estrogens, maybe increasing the progesterone and the testosterone. Um, and, and there will be an age component, obviously. I'm 46 and I've worked out forever and I've always had, you know, a tight, you know, I've been working out since my 20s and my skin was tight. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it and I'm seeing my body change. So I'm you look great to me, Wendy. Thank you. And I try really hard. You know, I, you know, I, well, I try holistically really hard, but what I'm trying to say is, is, is I, I love working out. It, it, it makes me feel good. I absolutely love it. Um, but I'm seeing changes within my body and it's not just hormonal. There's other issues going on. And I love that you guys are talking about fat. Dr. Hobbins and I talk about that in our book. Uh, the, the low fat diet has just killed women. Um, oh, it's, it's, it's you know, wrecked so the, many women. It's just, it's oh, just unreal. Yeah. The damage is done. You know what? I'm so glad I never fell into the, uh, sugar-free low fat. I, I always enjoyed food. So I worked out. Well, you're in, you're from Alaska. You ate moose and caribou and yeah. you know yeah. salmon. Yeah. So yeah. So you know I you know um, yeah. So what we're ta I think what you were hitting on earlier is when you have these high levels of estrogen, that's what's causing these side effects, and it's causing and it's cascading into other areas of our body. What I'm trying to tell women is hormones are the easiest thing to fix. It's so easy to fix these. Once you fix that, that'll take the, the, the pressure off the other systems of the body. So if you do need supplements, if you do need to change your diet, if you do need to do other minor treatments on the other systems of the body, when, you, when you, you're taking out one of the you know, variables that's causing the issue, then the other ones will hopefully be easier. What is, so, what is interesting that we discuss in Chinese medicine is that cases used to be very simple. In cases, patients are not simple anymore. They're incredibly complex. You have people coming to you that are so broken on so many levels. As a doctor, where do you begin? It's, it's yeah. almost overwhelming. And I tell my patients, a lot of women will come in and they'll, they're broken. You know, you know, a husband has passed away. They're going through a divorce. A child has passed away. There, something's going on. You know, they're dealing with an autoimmune disorder. And I say, you know what? This is not time for breast health. You need to go deal with that and come back to me when you're ready. And that's what I'm seeing now is when people are ready to heal or treat themselves, then they'll find the time to do it. But a lot of people are just, the cases are just too complex nowadays. Yeah, that's a good You have point. people dealing with multiple cancers. Yeah, but is that because of their lifestyle and um, the environment and all of those factors? Is it because you know, they haven't listened to themselves yes. prior and it's just built up, you know, like the Band-Aid approach? Okay, we'll take yeah. this pill and then um, so then that pill creates another problem. So then yep. they give them an, the yep. next pill. Absolutely right. Absolutely correct. I believe that's absolutely correct. I believe, you know, in our medicine, in Chinese medicine, you're constantly monitoring the body looking for imbalances and you're treating that there, there's a saying uh you're a great doctor when your patient doesn't get sick mm. yeah, yeah. and know, that's where in our medicine in in our society it's not like that you go to the doctor when you're sick that's not how it works in our medicine you go to the doctor and you're being treated constantly so you never get sick 
And that's the difference in Chinese medicine and Western medicine. Um, do I, but I believe, you know, it's hard for me because I was trained in Chinese medicine, but then I spent the last nine years studying with a Western doctor. So I'm kind of this odd duck where I, you know, people call me because they want my advice, but then I'm telling them, you know, go back to their Western doctor for this and this and this. Well, you have breast cancer. You know, we're past the point of alternative alternatives here with this type of breast cancer that you're dealing with. Yes, yeah, like I and say, Western medicine is really good at treating acute situations, but it's not really looking at underlying causes. Love it. Well said. One hundred. I agree. Conversation over. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Wendy, you know, you 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 had you got me thinking there with um, your, this last five minutes, and it's kind of interesting what you were saying about how you know you get rid of all the excess estrogen. Um, external, you know, not endogenously produced estrogen and things saw themselves. And, you know, when we had our first conversation, you know, which I was talking about like what we're doing. And what got me thinking here is, is with the hormones, it's a very delicate dance and balancing act that hormones do. And yes. the, 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 the thing that I've been talking with a friend of mine, Mike Julian, about with insulin, and it seems to be the same case here with, with estrogen, so sort of an overriding theme with, with hormones is like with the estrogen, you've got too much, and then you it becomes sort of a sledgehammer. Whereas estrogen in a normal metabolically healthy female who doesn't have overexposure, it's a very fine scalpel tool to do the proper signaling. And this is the same thing we've kind of come to with insulin because you know insulin's gotten a, you know a really bad rap because of type two diabetes, weight gain, blah blah blah, and you know the the rise of the. Uh, uh, low carb diet, you know, a lot of the low carb keto people are just like, you know, anti insulin to the point of, of, you know, um, craziness, but, you know, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a proponent of, of carbohydrate restriction for sure. But what we've come to find is like, we're using insulin like a sledgehammer to drive blood sugar down. But when you look at insulin in its natural form, when a person's insulin sensitive, it has a lot of really great proper anabolic properties, just like estrogen has a lot of great properties. And, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is, is what happens is we're using these hormones like sledgehammers when they're very fine, delicate tools. Absolutely. I agree with everything you said. I'm not an expert in insulin, so I can't, I only know a little bit. It's just kind of odd that, that the, 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 there's sort of a, a real parallel there. Oh, yes. Oh, of course. It's hormones. It's exactly what you said. You said it so well. And let me just take it a step back and explain it from a physiological standpoint. The hormones are controlled by the pituitary. Okay. And in the book, I talk about this. This is what I kind of love to educate our patients is it's a feedback loop. Okay. So if you're taking, for example, and again, I'm not an expert in insulin, so I don't want to pretend I am. Okay. But it is control, you know, it is a hormone. I mean, it is a, it is influenced by the pituitary. So let me, let me, but let me explain it from, uh, with the sexual hormones. Um, if you're taking a large amount of flax, let's say, or you're taking a birth control pill, well, you're sending a feedback loop to your pituitary saying, I have high levels of estrogen. So what does the body do? Well, it will stop producing an egg. Possibly, not every time, but possibly, okay? So it will stop producing its own estrogen because it has, it's in the feedback loop. Oh, that's so fascinating. You, 
Yeah. So when you're using, so, uh, oh, thank you. I apologize. I should always start with that. <laughs> and that's what the book does. The book starts, that's the very first chapter, second chapter of the book. Okay. So. But that makes total sense. You, yeah. When you interfere, and that's why physiology is so key to understanding hormones. So I'm glad you brought this up because this is very key and I can't believe I didn't explain this. When you disrupt the feed, the natural feedback loop, that with X, you know, your diet or supplements or prescriptions, then you are going to have issues. So like I said, you said it perfectly. It, it's, it's, it's a delicate dance. It is. And our body is amazing. You know, I always say, you know, doctors are just mechanics. Our body is, is an amazing machine. It's a brilliant machine. And it's our job to, you know, get it to, to work at its optimum. Yep. I, I like it. Yeah. Like yeah. I like it sometimes like, like we're conduct, we're the conductors of a symphony orchestra and we, we can't actually go down and play those little thing, those little sections, but we can kind of like nudge them in the right direction. And like if you have estrogen, you say you're, you're, you're brass and all of a sudden that's the only thing playing, it's going to mess things up, right? It's just not going to make good music. <laughs> right. And this is, and this is why I say, so stop taking these exogenous estrogens, stop with that, raise the progesterone with obviously a bioidentical progesterone cream. And if needed, you know, not everyone. Sometimes, sometimes you're natural. Once you get the excess. Yeah. Some women, some women will just stop with the environmental exogenous estrogens and then naturally their body will just will uh, uh, balance out. Recalibrate and come, okay. yeah, start yeah, producing you, progesterone. You broke, you, you've allowed the body to acclimate again. So there's there's a lot of different ways how I work with patients. So, um, yeah, it's just, it, that's the key is just allowing the body. Again, it's just, but we live in a different world nowadays. There's so many, you know, everything we're breathing and putting on our skin is causing an issue. So, again, it's not always about the hormones. It's everything else, too. So it's like, I just don't always want to say it's estrogen, estrogen, estrogen. It's not. It's you know, unfortunately, the world we live in. Yeah. So do you think um, the high levels of estrogen affects our thyroid hormones as well? Abs oh, my gosh. Yep. This is the next section we got to talk about. I am an expert on the thyroid. Okay. All I, I, I don't want to keep saying this because I don't have enough knowledge to talk about it. Is the thyroid affected by the hormones, sexual hormones? Absolutely. Absolutely. I see time and time again, why have we seen a rise in thyroid issues and then a rise with hormonal disorders? There's just, it's, it's, I say there's an axis between the adrenals, the sexual hormones and the thyroid, you know, literally it is in our body almost too. And, um, it's just, that's why I say the thyroid, I think is a little bit more complex. Again, I'm not an expert, so maybe I'm wrong. It's very but, complex. Yeah. It's, it's, it's even, it's like, if your hot your your hormones are delicate, the thyroid hormones, the TSH, the T three, T four, that's hyper delicate. Your body only produces less than a teaspoon of TSH a year over the whole year. That's why I'm saying, let's get your sexual hormones under control. Those are so easy to fix. That's a low and hanging fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Let and then that'll take the pressure off the other issue. Maybe let's say the thyroid. So then when you go to treat the thyroid, you're going to have a better result. So that's what I was kind of talking about earlier. Let's get the hormones under control because it's so much easier to treat the other issues that you have going on. Again, we're having women that are coming in with multiple issues, 
you know, not just one issue anymore, which is sad. Wow, this yeah. is this has been yeah. fascinating. So, Wendy, let's uh, kind of wrap things up. Um, sure. Let's, you know, um, first let's let's talk about what are let's talk about prevention, right? The old ounce of prevention is worth ten thousand kilos of of, uh, of cure, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And in this case, when we're talking about women's breasts, that's uh, you can't even put a price on that. So, what are some of the common real world things women need to be aware of like birth control flax let's let you take it okay uh yeah if you want me to list them so we with our synthetics we want to get rid of hrts which we know have increased cancer along with strokes and dvts and heart attacks so no hrts um and birth control pills birth control pills increase your risk for breast cancer by four times that's why you're seeing women my age in their 40s who've been who were given birth control pills in our teens which is disgusting and now you're seeing this rise in breast cancer so that's only going to get worse i'm telling you right now so can i just ask a quick question yeah. um yeah. so does that mean all birth control so um so you're little things that you put in your I, iud's and... everything yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the IUD has uh, synthetic hormones. The Depro Povera, I think uh, they had, I don't even know if they make that anymore because it actually was creating sterility in women. Um, there's so many side effects. The one thing I love about my book is if you think estrogen's healthy, then go to the back of my book and read the like 30 pages of the, I took literally the side effects from every pharmaceuticals website and put it on my book. And just read that section and come back at me and tell me that you think synthetic estrogens are healthy for you or okay or acceptable, maybe. Just let's just say acceptable. So the only the only contraceptive we recommend would be, you know, uh, condoms. Then then you get into the whole plastic thing. So then you have to find the, you know, the non sheepskin, whatever condoms. Okay, so let's not even go there. So what I suggest to women is an IUD hormone. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, a hormone-free, so a copper IUD. So the IUDs that have the hormones, you can see easily in my book the before and afters of those. But the copper IUD is the, is, is the only contraceptive, well, I, again, condoms that we recommend. Um, then you want to get rid of your plant estrogens. So the biggies on plant are flax, soy, primrose. Um, primrose oil is popular as an essential oil. Yeah. Black, uh, like like now people are making Estravera, the SAXT. These are all like um, these are all um, popular, you know, bioidentical estrogen, uh, hummus, anything multigrain because it's going to have sesame. Um, I'm missing one. Red clover, black cohosh. On my research page of my website, if you go to any of my websites on the research page, is a list of all foods and their phytoestrogen content. It's mm-hmm. on paleo for women. And that's the re- that's the link for that. Um, but those are the biggies. And then um, be wary of estrogen essential oils and natural estrogen blockers don't work. I have seen just thousands of patients on natural estrogen blockers and they just never work. And what's scary is you have breast cancer patients that want to treat cancer alternatively on believing, spending all this money and believing that these are working. And every single patient, I'm not kidding you, they'll come to me and they're like, I'm treating my cancer alternatively. Oh, okay, wonderful. This is what we're going to do. 
We're going to watch you see what happens. They refuse to get off on these. They refuse to get off these natural estrogen blockers. They either get worse or there's no change. That sounds. Time. It sounds Every like. Time. It sounds like estrogen blockers are sort of like the whole antioxidant thing because you know what we do with fat metabolism is when you get your body to metabolize fat at a high rate, you reduce the oxidative stress. So um, those are the biggies that I would avoid. Naomi, did I answer them all? It's like your synthetics, your commercial grade. That's why you want to make sure you eat foods that don't have, that are organic, that don't have pesticides, that don't have, you know, everyone goes, well, I don't want to eat organic meat. I don't want to eat um, non-organic meat because of the hormones. Well, what hormone is that? That's estrogen. They use estrogen to fatten up the cows and the chickens. So that's why the pill, when you go on the pill, what's the very first thing that happens? You gain 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the, when you get, when you, you're going to have success with, you know what this, okay, let me put it this way. Here I am trying to help women save, save lives for years, right? After about five or six years, all my patients who, it takes literally two or three years to get people to do the estrogen-free diet because they're going to prove to you that what they're doing is right. Then they realize what they're doing. Their doctor is telling them to do is actually wrong. So then, okay, then they're going to listen to you. So usually it takes about five years to get women on, on, on track, but they'll come back to me and they'll say, why didn't you tell me if I had done, if I had listened to you and got off estrogen and went on progesterone, I'd lose 10 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I was like, actually, I was trying to save your life. Yeah. I wasn't worried about the 10 pounds. <laughs> I swear to God, about five years ago, every patient was coming back and saying, I lost weight, I lost weight, I lost weight. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, let me change what I'm doing and begin every conversation. Hey, guess what? If you're on the estrogen-free diet, you're going to lose weight. So now I'm learning. It's just, I mean, that's just, you know, that's how we are. That's how women are. Well, I wasn't worried about cancer. I was actually learned about this 10 pounds. And that's what's <laughs> fabulous. And it happened to me. And I just didn't think about it. But when Dr. Hobbins put me on progesterone 10 years ago, I was, you know, working out, eating the same foods. I lost 10 pounds. And I couldn't believe it. I about had a heart attack. And I was like, wow. So that 10 pounds that we're all talking about, it's that, it may be, it may be, I don't want to say all the time, I've learned not to say that, it may be that estrogen, that we were, you know, getting somewhere, you know, again, from wherever. Yeah, yeah. And so how do you um, increase the testosterone? Oh, testosterone? Oh, oh, I love that you brought this up, Naomi. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So make sure you read my book for progesterone. Progesterone has to be applied as a, as a, onto the breast directly with a cream. Doesn't work. And remember, we're the researchers, ladies. So listen to what the researcher's telling you, not your pharmacist, not your doctor. We see before and afters. Dr. Hobbins did, started studying bioidenticals in the 70s in France. Bioidentical hormones have been around since forever, people. Okay. So that's, uh, I have a blog on progesterone and I, the book is, in, um, and a blog and excuse me, and it's included in the book. Testosterone is completely different. What I found, including myself, cause again, I test everything on myself is everyone reacts differently to testosterone. Testosterone, um, Dr. Hobbins only used shots. He says women need a huge bulbous of testosterone, like a shot of it. And then it decreases over three months. 
Well, doctors don't do that here and now. And remember, Dr. Hobbins treated breast cancer with large amounts of testosterone. That's antagonistic endocrine therapy, which is fabulous. And I can talk about that in a second, but let's get back to treating with testosterone. So what I have found that works with patients, you know, working within how I can work with patients is apply, getting a cream and applying it directly to the clitoris. The key to hormones is, guess what, ladies? There are no receptors hanging out in your arm or in your thigh for estrogen or progesterone or testosterone. I don't know where this medical assumption has come from, but they're sexual hormones, so they are only found in the sex organs. It's very simple, people. Simple, simple, simple. So progesterone, you apply directly to the breast to decrease vascularity, regain hormone balance. Testosterone, to regain hormone balance, you apply it directly to the clitoris. Men need to apply it directly to the shaft. That's where the receptors are. Now with women, we all react differently with testosterone. So what I say is watch your, you know, do your blood test, watch your levels. But again, the blood tests are always corrupted. They, they never work either, you know, and I don't even want to get into yeah. the blood test. Okay. They're so very dynamic. I, blood, blood tests can be very dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. So what I say with women is how do you feel? And what, and I go, you don't have a doctor tell you what to do. Don't have me tell you what to do. You tell me and listen to your body. So I have patients that use it every day. I have patients that use it, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I have patients that use it once a week, but women love, love, love their testosterone. I did not need it. I did not love it. So I can't be more specific when I say you will know. It's very know. delicate because, I mean, yeah, it gives them a libido, but then if you use a little too much, you get a mustache with it. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, so that's what I said is just you will know what to apply and just listen to your body. No one's going to be able to tell you. Like with progesterone, I can see the effects on the breast. So I can say, okay, let's up it a little. And there really is no side effect. The only side effect I've ever found of progesterone is people telling me, A, they feel it too much, which I, that, I don't know what that means. So we back off. That's all I know. And then um, fatigue. So that's really the only side effect I've found is, but people can usually handle their progesterone because I think we're exposed to so much estrogen. But the testosterone, I'm telling you, I have husbands call me saying thank you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> women feel amazing. I've had breast cancer patients that were put on testosterone and they're like, I feel like a new person. Yep. But that, but, I but I think, that. yeah, I think the message though also has to be is get yourself as metabolically fit as possible before you start playing with the testosterone, because sometimes women's testosterone will come online and we always want to have the minimum response dose if you're going to use something like that, because it's a, it with, with testosterone for women, everything I've kind of read and looked at and seen is like, it just a little goes a long ways. And if you tip over it, it can have some unintended consequences. Yeah. And and what I do with women is I say start by using it every week, every day for one week, two weeks, three weeks. And then you'll know when you're balanced. You'll just know. And then you figure out the dosage when to apply. Yeah. That's why I'm a little hesitant to do pellets. Now, breast cancer patients, they are so deficient that they love pellets. They love, you know, that's they're okay with the constant stimulation. But I love the cream because you control that. So there is a difference between breast cancer patients and uh, other women. 
Now, also, so, Wendy, yeah, yeah, Wendy, what's the who's the ideal candidate for uh, some testosterone? therapy because we're not saying this is something that oh. women should just universally yeah. run out and get nope. right <laughs> nope nope absolutely thank you thank you thank you for clarifying absolutely um and you want to be very careful with men because now you're going to increase your your rate for cancer for prostate cancer well and so your balls are going to shrivel up too Huh? And, and it does lead to people having, I can't remember the term hypogonadism where your scrotum and, and testicles shrivel up you have to be, yeah, testosterone for men, you have to be very careful because, yes, I believe men are, I, I, I believe men have low T, but you have to be careful with that balance because then you're increasing your, it's like using estrogen for the breast, you know, then you're back to that, you know, um, uh, increasing your risk for cancer. So uh, for women, uh, low testosterone is, surefire sign is low libido. That usually doesn't happen until after menopause. So again, I tried it on myself. I did not need it, but I gave it a shot. So again, you'll know. And there are women that are still premenopausal, like myself, that do need a little bit of testosterone. We're all a little different, you know. So yeah, I, you know. And a woman who's general. yeah, and a woman who's cycling, her she should notice the patterns of her libido. Like you know, in the follicular stage, you're, you're a little more interested in than you are in the, your mid-luteal phase. I mean, it, it's not like a uh, healthy male should be on all the time, but, you know, women should have that, that nice ebb and flow. Yes. Um, yeah, and again, that's still more testosterone. Yep. So there's a there's the whole sexual, that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. Cause yeah. I talk about sex a lot with my patients, yeah. Okay, so... Wendy, let's uh, wrap it up. Where do we? Where in a few words do we find you? We'll have all your uh, website links up in the show notes. But um, where do people find you? Uh, mostly Facebook, Women's Academy of Breast Thermography, and Instagram, Breast Thermography. Okay. And tell us the um, name of your book as well. Oh, thank you, Naomi. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Breast cancer. <laughs> yeah, of course. Breast cancer. Breast cancer. Yeah, Breast Cancer Boot Camp, Dr. Hobbins, Breast Thermography Revolution. So again, the book is going to have all your information. And again, in the book, I go over, I debunk uh, the manipulated flax studies. Because you have to remember, uh, most studies now, they're... They're funded by the industry. Yeah. So, and, and people know how to manipulate. Like, if you know how to manipulate a study, it's not too hard to figure out how yeah. you can get things to... Uh, go your way. But again, what I tell women is your breast can't lie. You know, that's yeah. why my patients, they try to prove me wrong every day, every, you know, for X amount of years. And, you know, I can see what's happening. You know, I can tell you're not making changes or you are. And that's where yeah, the, that's where the breast thermography is a wonderful tool for looking at, at overall yes, an objective health. tool. Yep. 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 Yeah. 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 But now I want everybody in the audience as we close this off to know that what we're talking about here is a lot of this we can avoid just by making these simple cho uh, changes that Wendy's described, plus being educated the way she's had to educate herself about, you know, what's going on and the fact that um, there's a lot of information out there that sounds really good on the surface, but is actually maybe, maybe well intended, may not, but it's wrong. Yep. It's sad, but yeah. true. 
Okay. Well, Wendy, thank you very much. Uh, no, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Wendy. Thank That's you. Great. Nice. I can't wait thank to you. read your book now. Yeah. We'll have to get a. I'll order some copies right now um, afterwards, and we'll get her all going. So, uh, let's make it a wrap. Thanks, Wendy. Yeah. No, I hope I answered all your questions. Yeah. No, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very thorough. Yeah. I think yeah, I'd like to learn more about the fat too. I think there's a lot to be said with that. Well, there's you know? some huge there's there's some huge synergies diet. here. Yeah, there's some huge synergies here, Wendy. A lot of what you're saying is yeah. what we're saying, but see, I'm trying to pull in all these different elements, not just that insulin equation or not just the Vespa. It, Absolutely. Or, and this is another element that I've known about and played with, and then when Kayla told me about you, I'm like. I'm on this because, you know, I'm actually friends with a guy named Andy Funk and his wife is Christy Funk. And I don't know if that name rings a bell. No. Uh -uh. Christy Funk is the uh, breast surgeon to the stars. She's the one that does the, uh, yeah. Y y yeah, she's the one that cut off Angelina Jolie's boobs. You know, this whole thing where these, oh. you know, these, okay. these preemptive mastectomies are going on. Yeah, which is you know, sad. because if they have the BRAC gene, we didn't even yeah. talk about that today. We didn't cover that today. But, you know, I'm like thinking, you know, you, you might have this genetic predisposition, but what do you what do you have you done to kind of keep that gene from turning on? Yeah, that's yeah, fine. exactly. And the, exactly, exactly. And just today with one of my patients, She's like, why do you keep talking about my right breast, the mastectomy breast? She came in to look at her other breast. And I said, because I don't want you to have a recurrent breast cancer in your right breast. She's like, I had a mastectomy. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> you can get recurrent breast cancer and mastectomies. I see it all day, every day. And women are astounded that they don't even know. I'm just amazed that the doctors don't even tell the patient that by getting mastectomy, I mean, I'm telling you, probably every day I hear this, and it just breaks my heart. No, you can still get breast cancer. Wow. In a mis with a yeah. mastectomy. Yeah, I think it's like 15%. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and wow. so what's the point of having preemptive surgery when you're just going to go out and drink that soy milk and eat flax and still get breast cancer with your, your double mastectomy? You know, there's no point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's wrap this. Why don't I, uh, I'd like to get some, uh, a couple copies of your book, um, and we'll pay for them. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You know what, what is, and send me you your, me send me your address so I can send you some Vespa. Cause you, you obviously are working out because you don't look that fit just sitting there reading thermal thermographies all day. <laughs> oh, I love to work out. It's like my, it, honestly, working out is like my same. It's like my saving grace. I love it. And I really want to get more. That's what I'm actually going to try to get more into is women 45, 40, 45, because I'm like, what is going on? It's not hormonal. So I'm changing what's happening to me. And I want to figure that out because if it's happening to me and I'm doing the best I can that I know of, what can I help women? Well, you know? and we, I, you know, all the women athletes I've worked with and I work with women, you know, from young twenties all the way through postmenopausal, but the women that are in perimenopausal, they say, they they say that it, you know, pretty much clears all that up in a big way. Um, their their periods get normal well, again. Well, I would love to. 
Um, and even the young yeah, women because... who are cycling, they say that special time of the month is not so special anymore. Oh, oh, you know, and that's the other thing I want to talk about is be careful with your athletes in our medicine. This is what I'm writing about in my second book. With our, with, um, when you're menstruating, you don't want to have sex because if you think about it, the energy is coming down. Mm-hmm. So you don't have sex while you're menstruating because you're pushing that energy back up. That's from, this is all from a Chinese medical standpoint. Right. And um, you want to be careful of your cardio during your menstruation uh, because you're losing blood. Like, think about it. If right. you were losing, if a man was losing blood, he'd be in the hospital. But right. it's, but we consider it normal. Well, you're losing, you're literally losing blood. So you need to be gentle. That's when I do my strength training is, you know, I'll go do my weights when I'm on my period, whereas I'll do my more cardio off my period. Um, so you need to learn how to work with yourself. And if no, you're fatigued, yeah. you we- know, that's just too much. I mean, you know, I always remind women, you're losing blood. Yeah. That is, I always, um, yeah, I always um, have, make sure that they have that. So the first day off and then that week is always mm. an, the recovery week for, for them. So that because then, um, you know, after that week, then they feel great because all of their levels are back up and um, that's yeah. when they're, they're at their best. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, from mid-luteal through menses, that's, that's just the time you really have to go easy on the workout. And we, t- we try and get women to, like, I'll, I'll temporarily have women shift their cycle using birth control pills just as a temporary thing, because I'm not a big birth control pill person either. But if they have a, if they have like an Ironman race and it falls from mid-luteal to menses, um, you know, certain, some women, it depends on the woman, but some women can see a, up to 40% reduction in their performance. They just, you know, it just, yeah. They, um, I, then they're, then they're not hormonally balanced. Mm, I, I don't yeah. believe in any of that. I, I believe it's, I believe we're, this is back to losing blood. I believe during the menstruation, I, I hear a lot of things like that, you know, only apply progesterone with the luteal phase, blah, blah, blah. Um, now, again, I, I'd be hesitant to say that, assuming, you know, okay, assuming, I, you know, everyone that comes to me is excess estrogen. So you're actually dealing, it, that's not, I don't believe that's true. Because yeah, well, the first with, thing, the first thing you got to do is get the excess estrogen, excess insulin in our case off. But, but you know, I had a, I had a mentor that was a, a very very well-regarded Italian physician and researcher. And one of the things he told me is at conception, the default is female and it goes through like five or six stages of female before it turns male. Absolutely. And so, you know, it goes back to what you're saying about variation. So I see some women who don't, you know, they hardly notice their mid luteal through menses in their performance. And then other women, it just tanks them. I work individually. Yeah. yeah. Again, going back to an individual, because then, 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 okay. And uh, to throw you off topic, women, you know, women are always trying to tell me coffee causes cancer. Absolutely false. Coffee is incredibly healthy for us. Well, I feel my fibroids. Well, then that's you, you know, that's how that is affecting you. You know, that's subjective. Mm-hmm. So, um, I hear you with the estrogen and all that and lute- the changes in the phases, but really, you shouldn't see a difference except when you're losing blood. Because literally, I mean, 
you're literally losing blood. Um, yeah. But if you have women that are sensitive, then that's interesting. Yeah, you know? well, it's it's like well, when you're in your mid luteal, it, there is some there is a layer of inflammation there just because the the uterus is inflamed because that's how it gets ready to shed the lining. No, 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 no. Now remember what I've told you. Okay. Inflammation is an overused word. The breasts don't have inflammation. I hear from thermographers all day inflammation, inflammation. I do you know what? In ten years, I've never seen inflammation in the breast. Okay, I, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about the uterus, but but to keep no, talking, I'm listening, I'm listening, you got me. No, 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 it's, it's like saying that the muscles are, it's the same thing, because remember, before I got into this, I was an orthopedic acupuncture. It's the same thing as saying the muscles are inflamed. No, that's, that's it's an incorrect word that's being used and thrown around. Itis, itis, like uh, diverticulitis, mastitis, right. those are true inflammation. That's inflammation. Muscles are not literally inflamed. They're not. That's an itis. The muscles, that's the, 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 you know, it's the bad posture. It's the, you know, the issue of it being, I, I see where they're using the term inflammation. You want to be very careful. No, the uterus is not inflamed. If the uterus is inflamed, there's something wrong. Okay. So you want to be very careful. We have to get back to basic physiology again. And yes, is the uterus creating a lining? Absolutely. Does the uterus shed the lining? Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, it's that it, those are <coughs> normal mechanisms for that. What is, so what's the um, process yeah. that going on during the luteal? What do you mean? What's the process? What's the process of that? You know, once you go past through ovulation and the eggs no longer viable, what's the physiological process for that to the shedding of the lining, the shedding of the lining, which is the mid luteal yeah. phase. And then it goes to menses yeah. when it does shed the lining. Right, right, right. What do you, what do you, I'm so sorry. I'm not understanding. The I'm just curious what the physiology, if it isn't uh, an inflammatory response, then, then, how does it go? I'm just, I'm yes. just, I'm always yeah, willing to learn. Yeah. There, there isn't, there isn't, the, the, you can't use that word in inflammatory response because that means there's, an, it, there's a problem. There is no problem. That's the normal mechanism of the uterus is okay. the rebuilding and the shedding of the lining every month. Okay. I'm going to go back to my I'm physiology. I guess, we got, I guess I'm going to have to look into that more because you're, you're right about that. It's not an itis in terms of a, of a disease state yeah. because you're right it's a normal part of it of course of course i could be my male chauvinist pig and say yeah how do you trust anything that bleeds for three days and doesn't die <laughs> i'm just joking totally true and, and that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> is when we're in the middle of our phase day one to seven or you know five whatever now yeah. because now it's five and not seven is you're bleeding yeah. You are literally losing blood. That's why it is so vital that we eat meat. We have to replace that blood. And if you don't want to eat meat, do the bone broth. I don't care. That's what I'm talking about. It's not, we have to get back to replacing what we're losing as women. And that's why we age more. You know, think about it. This is what I have to explain to every woman, especially vegans. As we age, the blood is shunted to our organs. What happens? What do we see? We see wrinkling of the skin. We see our hair turn gray. We see the nails get uh, brittle. Why? That's blood. Blood is our nutrient. Blood is our strength. Water isn't. 
And that's, so, that's why exercise, like doing what we're doing in the right way, keeps people looking at Absolutely. Yeah, because you're still absolutely, shunting, absolutely. shunting blood to the skin surface to sweat. Good. Absolutely, and that's circulation. It, that's why I am very pro, you know, exercise, you know. And I'm amazed at how stationary and stagnant women are. It just amazes me. Like, that I, I did a, like, if you follow my, I love my Instagram page, and I posted, go outside. I live in, I don't live in Alaska now, but I lived in Alaska. I went outside yeah. even with coats and hats and only my little face. That is healthy. You have to breathe that air. You have to walk. You have to be outside. And now I'm going to really throw you off. And this is how amazing Dr. Hobbins is. It's not just about getting the sun on the skin. It's about getting the sun in our eyes. We yep. have what's, we have the optic nerve. And what's truly fascinating is in the future, the, the medical devices that are, the medical devices are going to be light. For example, the infrared camera, that's light. For example, my partner's father invented a photon stimulator, which is 15,000, 18,000 times stronger than the laser used at the chiropractor's office, okay? Yeah, there's some so blue, there's some blue light therapy that's coming out that's some uh, chiropractors, right, right. yeah. Yeah, that's what he's doing is, a, is light therapy. So the future the is light, okay? Yeah. But when but how do we do that now? We'll go outside. Sunglasses are not healthy. Well, you're not throwing me. You're not throwing me off because I don't wear sunglasses. Partly because oh, I break them, but yeah. but but yeah. um, yeah. no, yeah, no. We're I'm very yeah. highly aware of getting getting out in natural if sunlight. Sick, if you're sick, Doctor Hobbin says the number one thing you can do for yourself, and this goes back to my qigong, you know, because I'm a certified qigong instructor. What do you do if you're sick? You get up before and do a, a medis, uh, You do a, a yang meditation with the sun. What is Dr. Hobbins? So there's my Eastern training, okay? Then I go over here to Dr. Hobbins. What's Dr. Hobbins telling me? If you're sick, get up and greet the sun. That yep. sunrise has every wavelength. Mm. In it, not the sunset, the sunrise. And when that hits your eyes, that optical uh, nerve goes and I don't know. It stimulates the that. brain in a whole bunch of ways. Well, yeah, if you, want to, if you want to get messed up, Wendy, uh, read Jack Cruz because he, he says the same thing, but then he talks about the the, the, the electron chain on the molecular level, and it's just because it, you're right. It's And then there when you, you look at the whole and cycle of how sunlight, you know, gets chlorophyll, gets converted to grass, the ruminant eats it, the bacteria in the rumen digest it, convert it into fatty acids, and produce the meat, and that's why ruminant meat is and, so essential for us. And that's why I think, um, yeah, if you have a specific question with the 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 uh, follicular and luteal phase, I will answer that to the best of my knowledge. I'm just not, I'm, I, I feel bad because I guess I'm not understanding your question correctly. Yeah, no, and I've and got I, some people, we, we, we need to, we need to look at that more, more, more closely because what you were saying is exactly and, true. And the key is you can't search it on the internet because internet's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the yeah, exactly. Well, I, I've got, yeah. yeah, I've got a pretty that's brilliant ed, uh, reproductive endocrinologist I can go to. That's uh, his wife is actually also a, no, his wife's actually a, an acupuncturist too. Well then, okay. Then if you know, that's what scares me. If, if these people are brilliant, why are they not? Why didn't they create the estrogen free diet? You know, that's what yeah. scares me. Yeah. It's all day, every day. I, yeah. I hear women say, I spent $5,000 going to this famous doctor in LA that's an endocrinologist. 
Yes. And they come to me screwed up. I'm telling you, doctors don't understand physiology. And Wendy, I had the same problem when I was infertile. So they weren't treating my symptoms and they weren't treating the cause. They were just trying to push drugs into my body to make, and it wouldn't work. Like it just didn't work, you know? It was an Eastern medicine well, doctor that you fascinating, did. Naomi? This is Sorry? fascinating. I'm going to tell you something fascinating. Dr. Hobbins just didn't, Dr. Hobbins did everything, literally everything. He's a mm -hmm. surgeon. He will treat your cold. Dr. Hobbins did everything. Guess what he did? Fertility. Why? What do we do? We research hormones. We know physiology. Naomi, listen to this. This is absolutely fascinating. I'm including this in my second book. So accidentally, my own clinic, we're now infertility. We do infertility accidentally because we're dealing with the hormones. Okay. And Chinese medicine yeah. is really good for infertility, as you know. So what's interesting is we have, just by adding progesterone, I don't know the percentages, but a lot of our patients are getting pregnant because they had too much estrogen from whatever, you know, let's not even get into that. Okay. Mm, yeah. Listen to this. Dr. Hobbins would uh, raise the progesterone levels, you know, he would have you have sex before you came in and he would implant. This is just implantation, you know, just the syringe, right? Yeah. He's just implanting the, the, the sperm up into, yeah, your uterus. You had to have sex before you came in and you weren't allowed to wipe. He's like, how can you treat infertility pain patients? It's like dry cement. When you have sex, you have the necessary, um, uh, oh my gosh, I just lost the term. What's that um, Chinese medicine, the upward flow, right? It's gonna carry you have all the necessary, up. It's not uh, the, um, I just lost the term that it's called. Uh, mucosal liquid, secretion, mucosal secretion. Secretions, thank you. Yeah. When you're having sex, you've created those necessary secretions for, in, for fertility. So he said his success rate was easily 90% because he was A, balancing the person's hormones before they came in, you know, with diet, mm. and maybe a tiny bit of progesterone, and then B, he set them up. The secretions were there. So the sperm reacted to the secretions and implanted. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. He said if doctors just made that small change to their fertility patients, they would see a spike in fertility. Mm. A spike. Yeah. Now, you know, not to get me wrong, there are women that have serious issues. And then now you're throwing in the whole monkey wrench of men now on top of that. So that's a whole yeah. other conversation. And I'm not an infertility specialist, but I hear you because the, the, the basic issues are never met physiology. So I don't like, and not to be rude, it makes me nervous when you say, I'm going to go do my research because you're doing research with someone that doesn't understand physiology. You are listening to food for thought, the OFM podcast sponsored by Vespa.